0: This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. I'm Mark Fisher. I'm a partner at the law firm of Duane Morris, usually in the Boston office, sometimes in New York. And I, among other things, uh, am on the adjunct faculty of Suffolk University Law School, where I teach advanced copyright. This is one of those copyright cases that makes it onto the front page. Warner Brothers had a very successful film called The Hangover that unexpectedly led to another film that has just come out called The Hangover 2. In Hangover 1, Mike Tyson, the uh, famous former boxer, is in the film, and he has a very distinctive tattoo kind of all over his face. It's not something you're going to miss if you see him. And in the second film a version of the same tattoo appears on a different actor, not on Mike Tyson. The creator of the original tattoo is a Missouri-based artist named S. Victor Whitmill. Mr. Whitmill was copyright conscious to some degree originally because he actually asked and got Mike Tyson to sign a little agreement ensuring that, between the two of them at least, Mr. Whitmill owned the copyright in the tattoo image. So a a couple of takeaways and observations. First, feature films are very vulnerable to attack for copyright infringement. This is not the first case where someone has sued a well-known film just on the eve of launch. There are famous cases involving Twelve Monkeys, the Terry Gilliam picture, Devil's Advocate, one of the best films ever about lawyers, particularly the closing scene with Al Pacino, have been sued for elements in those films that infringe. Why are films vulnerable at this stage? Well, the answer is money. A huge amount of advertising and marketing goes into the initial release date of a feature film. The weekend grosses are critical to the success or failure of almost any film in the United States. And so anything that could disrupt the release date such as obtaining an injunction in federal court prohibiting the injunction of the film is very serious and very, very threatening to the studios. And so studios have to try to get rid of these threats as soon as possible, or they could lose many, many millions of dollars in all sorts of ways. There's nothing good about this kind of thing from the studio's perspective. Whitmell and his attorneys did just that. They filed a federal lawsuit for copyright infringement, including a request for an immediate injunction prohibiting the film from opening as scheduled. So what we have here is a tattoo on a face. Originally Tyson's, now on somebody else's face. Is a tattoo copyrightable? And the judge in the case, Catherine Perry, the Federal District Court in St. Louis, made it pretty clear in her view, it is. And I think that analysis holds up pretty well. As you may know, copyright now is neutral as to medium. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you paint or draw an image on paper or human skin. If it's a copyrightable piece of art, if it's artwork, it's going to be copyrightable regardless of where it happens to be placed. So she was convinced that the work was likely copyrightable and protected by the artist, Mr. Whitmill. So what happened? The lawsuit was filed. Warner Brothers immediately tried to fight off the injunction. And on May 24th, just a couple of days ago, Judge Perry looked at the whole scene and I think tried to do what she thought was right. She said in her remarks that Whitmill had a strong likelihood of prevailing in the merits for copyright infringement, and something that the Warner Brothers lawyers can't possibly have been happy to hear, said that the arguments put forth by Warner Brothers were, quote, just silly. Not words you're happy about hearing if you're the attorney for that client. So what she did is she said well look mister Whitmill you're gonna almost certainly win this case and we don't know exactly what the damages will be something to talk about in a minute and it said although the intangibles he's losing can't completely be known or quantified there is some amount of money that will come close to in effect making him whole so it looks pretty good that he's gonna win something if the case doesn't settle before it goes further but she denied the request for an injunction and Her thinking was that this is a very big film, a lot of people relying on it, and that money would be sufficient to reward the artist for what she, I think, pretty clearly thinks is infringing activity. And so the film has now been released. Everybody's got something to be happy about and uh, something to be concerned about. And so she just felt the public interest in harming Warner Brothers and harming the people who work for the studio and everyone involved was just overweighed what she could have done, which was to award the injunction. Now, what will damages be if the judge's sensibilities uh, hold true? Well, first, in a case like this, and I know nothing about the individual parties here, settlement appears pretty likely just on paper. But if it were to proceed to a full trial on the merits, the damages are somewhat idiosyncratic. What did the artist suffered. That will be a challenge for the court to understand what the actual damages are. As to whether Mr. Whitmill can elect statutory damages up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars, it's not entirely clear. He filed his copyright registration in April, predating the release of the film, but certainly pictures that were infringing his view were distributed earlier. So whether he's eligible for statutory damages or not isn't entirely clear at that point. So One other fact to consider is that Mike Tyson was in the first Hangover film, and he didn't object. Now, why not, and does that prejudice the case? Judge Perry apparently feels it doesn't. I think there is an argument that the attorneys for the artist, Mr. Whitmill, could advance, which was that use on the face of Mr. Tyson has to be whenever you take a picture of Mike Tyson. And that it may be, in effect, a kind of highly unusual fair use, the defense to copyright infringement, that if you depict Mr. Tyson, then unless you alter his image now, you're going to show that tattoo. And if you haven't seen the picture of the tattoo, I encourage you to do an Internet search of Mike Tyson and tattoo so you will have a better idea of what we're talking about. This is not a subtle tattoo for a man who in much of his career has not been marked by subtlety. So where we're at is we can safely say that works of visual arts are protected regardless of the medium of expression, whether it's a book, a canvas, or face, and that the judge tried her best to let Warner Brothers know that she was not likely to find their way substantively, but that she felt that the using her power of an injunction in these particular facts was not in the public interest. The law makes no distinction between copyrightability for Artists, whether it's Anselm Kiefer, Jeff Koons, or tattoo artists. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.